Welcome back to another season of the Lead with Data podcast. In this exciting new season, we'll be focusing on engaging with leaders in the healthcare and medical sector who are at the forefront of leveraging data. It's evident that this industry has been underserved when it comes to effectively utilizing data, facing challenges with data privacy, data sharing. However, these challenges also present numerous opportunities for the sector to harness the power of data and drive decision-making and research. I'm thrilled to announce that I'll also be joined by my co-owner, Tracy Rowe, who'll be joining me to interview some of these incredible guests. Together, we're eagerly looking forward to discovering, learning, and gaining a deeper understanding of the impacts that data analytics can have in this industry. Stay tuned for some enlightening conversations that will shed light on the potential transformation brought about by data-driven practices in the healthcare and medical sector. Welcome back to another episode of Lead with Data. I'm delighted to welcome Rafael Mello as my guest today. Rafael is relatively new to the healthcare data industry with just five years of experience, in contrast to probably my previous guests that have been on the show. Most of our prior guests have emerged from larger sort of healthcare environments, whereas Rafael um, comes from a health tech background, but he's worked predominantly across startup and scale up type organizations. The discussion that I have with him today is really sort of around um, shedding light on what it's like to kind of establish an analytics function within a startup environment where there's no kind of infrastructure or setup available, but because of the nature of the business being in that kind of tech environment, data is coming in sort of in massive, massive volumes. So he talks a little bit about what he's done and shares his journey. I hope you enjoy this uh, episode as much as I did. Thank you so much, um, Raf, for joining me on the show today. Yeah, Rena, thank you for having me. Look, as I do with all my guests, I will get you to start off and maybe just give us a bit of an introduction to yourself and a bit of a background. Um, I know you've worked in the healthcare sector, which uh, obviously very nicely fits into this season that we're trying to educate the community about. So, um, yeah, if you can give us a bit of an idea of what you've been doing and um, where you're at now. Absolutely. So my background is in analytics. So I've been very fortunate to work for a little while in the health tech space and in the health tech industry. Uh, So right now, I'm currently working at Mindset Health, organization uh, dedicated to helping a billion people unlock the potential of their health with their mind. We kind of help help, uh, distribute some digital therapeutics developed with some researchers from uh, around the world, Monash, Baylor University. They uh, use hypnotherapy in in their program to help people alleviate some chronic medical conditions like IBS or help people quit smoking or manage manage the menopause or manage hot flashes from menopauses. Um, Yeah, but uh, previously I've been able to, uh, fortunate fortunate to work at other startups like CultureAmp and even before that, HotDoc, another health tech company. Yeah, I've been uh, working for a few years in the industry. I've been very lucky and been uh, very keen to work at small organizations, uh, kind of starting up their analytics capability for the first time, which is great. I love, yeah, which is so much fun. I love it. Excellent, excellent. So tell us a bit more. I'm obviously curious. I think I was a bit curious as well about the organization that you're working with now, and Mind Health. You mentioned that it's about providing therapy through working uh with solutions um with with your mindset and things like that so talk us through you know what you guys exactly do yeah absolutely so the application itself is a way to deliver um hypnotherapy programs um, you know, as i mentioned developed mm-hmm. by 
um, for ex uh, with different research. So, for example, Simone Peters is our lead researcher uh, on our IBS product, uh, Nerva. She, uh, through the course of her practice in dealing with hip uh, in helping people deal with IBS, developed this uh, hypnotherapy program. We're what our, our founders have done, Chris and Alex. Uh, they've been able to kind of scale her work, looking at distributing that program to thousands of people who might not be able to attend uh, Simone Peters' uh, in-person hypnotherapy course. So yeah, so uh, the program, so um, the uh, different our different programs have different style, uh, different styles. Um, our IBS product is our biggest product. So uh, speaking specifically about that one, it's six weeks daily hypnotherapy courses um, aimed at helping people develop uh, uh, helping people develop a better relationship with their symptoms helping yeah. people um, you know manage their diseases even notice how over time uh, they might want to yeah manage yeah manage that those symptoms in a much better way yeah brilliant okay so that's kind of what I was wanting to understand is the the hypnotherapy the application provides is it there to help kind of cure conditions but it sounds like it's really there to support what other practitioners are going to be doing to help you from a mindset perspective to be able to deal with some of the challenges that you might have having particular conditions um, and how you can kind of work through them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all about self-management and helping people, helping people, yeah, helping people deal with these conditions, these chronic illnesses in a yeah. healthy way. Yeah. Fantastic. Excellent. And what do you do for mindset? Tell me a bit more about your role and what you're kind of responsible for there. Yeah, absolutely. So I've uh, I have you know, the very fun, uh, unique privilege of being the first data hire at Mindset. Uh, so my my role does revolve a lot. You know, um, I work like closely with Simone and our other researchers, give, giving them access to data sets that they might want to do research with or even even publish. That's one side of my role. The other side, I help the product team go into the in depth into user analytics, understand user journeys, understand uh, the the uplift of potential re feature releases. And, you know, the other side, uh, you know, helping marketing understand their marketing budget. Uh, what's their ROAS, what's their return on ad spend? What's their uh, key key drivers? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's very common in a small startup. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So being able to work across all different aspects of the business, from like the core analytics, the data, to working with the, the operational staff, to working with the people developing the programs, like, yeah, it sounds like, um, yeah, a great, um, great kind of diverse role. So I guess for the listeners, and obviously for myself, but what would give us an idea of what data analytics analytics looks like in a health tech business what is it that you're actually looking at obviously in the healthcare sector and some of the guests we've been talking to you know talking to people from the public health private healthcare sector from the universities where they're working on informatics so you know they're very specific uh, specifically looking at particular sets of data and particular occurrences of where this might be happening so what does data an analytics look like in a health tech business what is it that you're actually looking at yeah i guess Health tech businesses very much like other businesses in terms of the analytics we collect. You know, uh, you 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 get all the normal stuff that you expect. For example, we we get our revenue data from Apple, from Google. We get uh, our user behavior through uh, uh, events that fire off both on our website and in our mobile application. But you also collect very sensitive information. So, for example, 
information. Uh, we ask our participants to fill out uh, patient health questionnaires uh, to express how uh, anxious or uh, how how intense their feeling of depression might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, very much like a normal business, you collect all the normal metrics, but you also collect and uh, people trust you with very sensitive information, mm-hmm. which might, which uh, you absolutely sh- should uh, treat with respect. And yeah, so a lot, a lot as well. Yeah. And so with the information that obviously you're collecting, you mentioned you're getting a lot of, um, you know, sensitive patient information. Do you use that data to help you to develop programs? Does that kind of give you an idea of, look, this? these are some of the common denominators that we're seeing. This is kind of, you know, it would be really beneficial if we were able to enhance this particular program we're offering to, to cover that aspect of it. Do you use the data to also help you improve what you're offering? Yeah, absolutely. We we look at our our uh, we we call our efficacy data every day. Yeah, um, understand. We want to understand uh, how successful the program is for participants who who undertake it, mm-hmm. and we also want to understand that yeah, those key drivers. We and we do, we do uh, some interesting machine learning logistic regression models to understand the likelihood of success for different participants. Yeah. Yeah, of uh, the very interesting things that we uh, want, uh, we find. We often work with researchers to publish that data and uh, hopefully push forward the the research into IBS and into different uh, chronic health conditions. Excellent, excellent. So obviously, going back to the fact that you're one of the first um, data highs, and, and look, I think one of the things that we really wanted to discuss here was um, about you know, setting up and setting up the data capability um, in in a sort of a relatively new kind of startup sort of scaling business. So tell us what the environment was like when you first started. What was the the environment? What what, what was the data sets like? Were you, you, were you working on Excel spreadsheets? Like talk us through exactly what it was like when you walked through the door. Yeah, yeah. So fortunately, in mindset, the team before I started was very interested in analytics. And, you know, you get, you get that with young founders who are yeah who are very self-motivated. They kind of drive themselves to kind of answer a lot of these questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenge that businesses always face when they're starting to do analytics is how do we invest in like, centralized data assets mm-hmm. that we can reuse? So, uh, you know, when I when I joined, we had we had data in different places, and one of the f- the first things that I did was uh, centralize that data in our warehouse. In yeah, yeah. Yeah. How did you decide what tech stack to go with, Raf? What was um, when you were going through that process? Obviously, joining a business, they're very keen to utilize and enable the business to to drive decision making through data. But how did you decide what tech stack was going to be the right one for a business and that could grow with the organization as they continue to grow? Yeah, it's it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge, and very uh, different businesses are unique. I guess from my previous experience, I saw. What could be wrong if you invest too much in the analytics? You know, when you're when you're starting off in analytics, the first thing you want to do is provide people dashboards and reports and information that they want to find useful. You don't want to be spending all your day uh, building data models, right, or yeah. um, engineering the fine details. So keeping it uh, so absolutely, every business is unique. You got to integrate. You got to integrate with what's there, but. Um, uh, keeping it lean and keeping it uh, very sh- uh, tight is something that uh, we we try to do. Um, so, tool um, you know the specific warehouse that we we chose, Google BigQuery, yeah, um, 
was uh, something that I've used in the past, um, able to uh, integrate with a lot of different services really easily and able to store data hassle-free, ops-free. You know, you don't really need an uh, uh, SRE engineer to be able to spin up a Google BigQuery instance. Um, so, you know, if if your if your company is using one of these cloud providers, uh, starting with like the fully managed services is also is uh, I think always a wise choice. So, Google BigQuery or Redshift for AWS. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah, and and that's great because I think most of the time when people join, you know, unless they're a really seasoned um, operator and they've been in very senior roles, they're typically not going to be probably attracted to organizations of this size. I think people like yourself who are sort of um, at the peak of your careers kind of wanting to grow and develop and and drive that value. You know, you come in, but you haven't necessarily been in big environments where you've worked with lots of large tech. So it's about being able to go into a business where you don't necessarily need those big, big systems, but, you know, being able to identify what's actually appropriate what's not like you said you know not spending too much money um and going over the top but really going okay what can we bring in that's that's um, usable now but also we can sort of grow as as our capability grows and as the need grows so in in some ways you know i'm uh, it's a bit of a luxury to be able to choose some of these big like uh fully managed solutions right like if yeah. you're in a hospital with you know 20 10 years of enterprise data management systems right you don't get that luxury no. Uh, and I, I, I feel for those people. I feel for those people who need to integrate with those services. Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest pluses, isn't it? Joining an organization at the almost at the very start of their journey where there's not a lot of legacy um, mm-hmm. systems, a lot of legacy data. You do get the chance to almost start with a blank canvas to, to sort of build that up. And what was the data culture like when you joined? I mean, you mentioned yeah. that the founders were very passionate, but, you know, wanting... I think everybody's interpretation of data analytics is so different. Um, you know, they you, you they, they expect you're going to be able to do A, B, and C, but there's a lot more, obviously, that goes into data analytics. So what was the data culture like? What was the understanding of the business when you joined? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I guess different. Uh, what I, from what I've seen, different people have different styles with data, right? Uh, you almost get it. You almost have an, a spectrum of excitement. Right. You have people over here on the right who kind of uh, who love data, who love the idea of analytics. They might not uh, they might not be specifically exposed to how the you know, how the sausage is made. You know, they they love that, love the exciting outputs, uh, but uh, don't know that those exciting outputs come after days and weeks and months of preparing and understanding and sorting. Right. At, my, at Mindset, I was very lucky to have a few people who, uh, especially our CTO, Dan, uh, who understood uh, understood how the, understood that the sausage isn't always pretty. Yeah, it's always good to come into a culture like that and and start managing expectations. Other than um, you know, I've seen I've seen different cultures as well. You know, where it's, it's the other way around. You know, uh, you kind of want to get people interested in uh, seeing the data. You know, you want to get people out of the gut feel territory and into mm-hmm. the validating hypothesis area. Uh, yeah. Uh, so kind of. Uh, working with those build, people, building understanding, building hype, building trust in the the, the data that you provide, also important. Yeah. yeah so, so mindset, mindset specifically, was very excitement, very kind of very interest, uh, very keen to kind of start doing the interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
And yeah, I was lucky to be able to have a, a manager who who trusted me to work with the data set, work to build the data sets and do, and into something that we could trust and use. Yeah, excellent. And in terms of when you joined, was there a data strategy there, Raf? Did did they have some sort of strategy, or did you kind of have to come in and put that together? Yeah, it was a lot up to me. Uh, definitely, me and Dan worked quite quite deeply into identifying the areas in which data would have the most impact. Mm-hmm. There's always, you know, uh, it's always it, there's always kind of that people always want uh, the self service analytics, right? Yeah. People are always interested in enabling more people to work with data, and that's always and that you know that always should be a part of a data strategy. You know, and, uh, you never want to hoard these these kind of assets. You want to be able to distribute them wildly. And yeah. Be, and give more people access to the tools they need to do their job, but also being very specific in identifying areas and data unique data sets that your organization has and can use to to generate business value. So, for example, one of the uh, key data sets that we identified uh, that would be very interesting to use would uh, would be our our research data sets. So, being able to run experiments in the app, partner with universities um, to like build uh, small custom applications that have very um, that have, have control and variance is something that we could uniquely do to build that reputation and build that uh, research capability um, yeah so there was lots of different elements that you had to obviously consider in your strategy because of the different parties that are sort of involved different sorts of data that you're using as well yeah, excellent. And in terms of, um, I guess, challenges, um, I mean, up until now, it sounds like you've you walked into the perfect environment. <laughs> yeah. You know, you had a an executive team that were really excited about analytics. You had a CTO who was really keen to hand everything over to you and go, "Here you go." You know, show, you know, let's let's do this together. You've got my, you know, you've got my support. You've got my backing. Um, you had a business who was excited, who wanted to to know more about the data, what it meant. But tell us about the challenges because it's never that easy. So talk us through some of the challenges that you faced. Um, and not necessarily people. It doesn't sound like you had a lot of people challenges. But other challenges that you may have faced, um, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I've you know something something I've always struggled with was uh, getting too excited. You know, I'm an optimist. I'm someone who who loves this kind of stuff. I'm yeah, definitely a nerd at heart. But uh, the challenge is always the challenge I've always had is being able to balance that with being thorough and being deliberate. You know, you could kind of sometimes you have to fight the urge to just pump out numbers and do some analysis and uh, kind of provide provide things that, uh, you know, might not be at a high quality. So managing that managing that uh, that demand with what you can actually reasonably supply at mm-hmm. a high quality is all, is definitely a challenge and something that I've, I've tripped up a lot. You know, kind of have to be patient. Uh, if I can give advice to people, be patient with yourself a bit at the start. Yeah. Uh, analytics journey. Um, yeah. Because it uh, it might take you a while to just produce a report that people are just used to seeing, for example. Right. But being able to do that in a reliable way, uh, consistently, week to week, uh, build a data pipeline that you can trust. That's, a, that's an incredible asset that will pay dividends. Yeah. So, yeah. Finding the urge to just quickly pull up Excel, download some spreadsheets, do some quick VLOOKUPs with uh, building these automated trusted data pipelines. Uh, something you always have to challenge. 
really yeah. helped. What about in terms of the actual data that you were using? Did you have challenges with with the uh, condition that it was in? And if so, how did you go about sort of organising that and to start actually getting it into a usable format? Mm-hmm. Like, was that a challenge you faced um, coming into a business that hadn't didn't really have a data structure uh, like a data capability in the past? Yeah, it was. Like the the one thing that is always a bit of a struggle is knowing. Is especially if you're building data sets that other people are going to use. Mm-hmm. Like how do you design a data set? How do you build a design uh design a system that is intuitive? Mm-hmm. Um so it's yeah, it's all it's definitely a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge that you know, you know people in the data community love to fight about. Yeah. In terms uh, you know, is that kind of like Kimball versus Inman kind of data modeling different strategies. It's always a it's always a it's always a bit of an open question, but um, so how, anyway. how, how do you know which one's the right one? <laughs> yeah, a <laughs> great question. Great question. You, I guess, like you don't, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, I think that I think that people have different preferences, right? Yeah. Uh, people have people have uh, things that they've been taught and then kind of like stick to and want yeah. and kind of love, and then so knowing, I guess, your users. Knowing yeah. what they knowing what they want, knowing mm-hmm. how they're used to consuming their data, yeah. you know, very valuable, very valuable. And you know, if you do introduce new concepts, doing it very methodically and slowly, so that you know, data can be an overwhelming. Yeah, thing. yeah. You know, providing people uh, easy steps to learn. Yeah, you know, very useful. Working yeah. working from a base that they're used to is very, yeah. is uh, always a wise choice. I find. Yeah, and that kind of helps you determine what the best solutions are going to be for them based on what they're sort of used to. So it's not completely different to what they're what they used to. Like like draw draw from those uh, schools of thought, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, you know, uh, uh, being uh, for uh, for example, uh, with Kimball, right? They talks a lot about choosing a grain, you know, choosing a unit uh, that makes the most sense for your business, mm-hmm. and that kind of and that kind of thinking definitely makes a lot of sense. But not no not being religious about it, you know, not mm-hmm. being dogmatic to the to the to the model to the point where you're producing data sets that only people with advanced degrees can actually interpret and use. Yeah. So drawing from, uh, I've always found that drawing from those bases, very, uh, it kind of builds an informed decision, yeah. but being adaptive to what people are used to is yeah. definitely a wise choice. What about data quality? Did you guys have any data quality issues when you when you first started and how did you overcome those or what, what processes did you put in place for, for data governance and data quality? Yeah, I mean, uh, startups definitely, you know, uh, startup, uh, I've worked at startups that are used to deleting their database. Yeah. <laughs> startups that uh, just, oh, you know, uh, we'll just batch update a few things, a few thousand rows, you know, kind of have this kind of uh, unique bug that impacts people in the month of March 2021. Mm-hmm. So you, can, you kind of you kind of see it all in data, right? You yeah. uh Unfortunately, you have to consume the data other people produce. Yeah, uh, in a place with a lot of flux, you know that uh, people produce a lot of things with a lot of varying quality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess it goes back to that kind of being deliberate, right? Going going slow, accepting that things are uh, not simple, Mm -hmm. and being being clever with yeah data quality and data testing is always wise. 
those kind of data testing frameworks like DBT tests, you know, great expectations, those tests, they work very well, uh, I find, in kind of establishing uh, key assumptions and testing key assumptions that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, governance at a startup, always a challenge, a big challenge. I find, uh, you know, especially if you're one of the first data hires, mm -hmm. one of the first people really thinking about this topic and being loud or like ingraining yourself in the team and being loud early, uh, kind of raising awareness of these causes, very wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, it, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to put more on some on a poor yeah. analytics plate. But yeah. That kind of that kind of stuff is definitely important. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, and I think, um, Ralph, I think you mentioned a really good point there. You know, when you're one of the first hires or one of the new hires, it's really important that you start to, that, that data governance and data quality is kind of something that you're talking about from day one. It's something that you're quite loud about. Like you said, it's very deliberate. People know about it. And you take that quite serious because I think ultimately that's um, that's quite an important part of getting the data right for it to be able to do what you want it to do. So um. yeah. Like you you should you know it's it's all it's all about investing in people as well, right? Like investing in ways of working, investing in standards and approaches that uh, you know can scale because you'll you'll be using, you know, if you sort of nip it in the bud, then uh two years two, three years later you'll be able to move much faster and be able to use these data sets in a much more trustworthy way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And look, thank you so much because I think it's really, it's really nice to hear about the experience of working in a smaller kind of, you know, um, startup sort of scale up type environment because it's very different to how you apply analytics to a large, you know, legacy based organization or a business that's used data for a number of years but wanting to now change it. So I think it's really nice to hear from your experience, because we haven't had a guest um, on the show who's worked for some smaller businesses. Um, so it's really nice to do that because it kind of helps um, to give people a different perspective of how analytics can look like in different businesses. Um, so thank you so much for um, sharing that. I guess that one of the questions I always, I am curious about, I mean, you've worked in the medical sector um, prior as well, but what is it that you're most passionate about when it comes to um, data in the healthcare or medical sector? Like, What is it that excites you about it? Usually, yeah, with, with, I guess you, you definitely have access to information, very detailed, very, the amount of information you have access to is incredible. You know, you can, you, you ask people about, you ask people very personal questions. You ask, you ask uh, about people's lives, you know, you can develop a, you can develop a real sense of, of, uh, a specific, uh, how, how a disease might ha um, might cause some a specific group of people to suffer, right? You might uh, develop a real understanding of a specific medical condition, like IBS. You know, you know, for example, right? Like uh, we looked at our data, we looked at uh, comparative studies uh, that looked at the prevalence of uh, anxiety and depression symptoms in a general population versus our population. And you know, uh, general population uh, uh, had an exposure rate of like uh, five to ten percent of severe symptoms. Where people who come to us, they have a um, you know thirty to forty percent uh, uh, severe uh, symptoms of anxiety and depression. You know, but getting that understanding of 
the depth that people the the depth the real problems that people are facing kind of gives you more appreciation of of medical industry as a whole i feel you know you uh you can really understand how doctors who kind of deal with these patients on a daily basis they kind of they have to you know they have to help help they have to find solutions to people who might uh, be feeling very very stressed so yeah it's it's a it's a great way to understand medical conditions at a deep level it's a very great way to understand how different solutions might impact people's lives being uh being having access to that depth of information is something that i definitely treasure yeah absolutely and i think i think the healthcare and medical sector um you know there's going to be some really exciting um progress through the use of data from the discussions that i'm having um and just there like you said you know the doctors see you know maybe see an ibs patient all the time and they're struggling with all these symptoms and they might have anxiety and depression as a result of it but you know, being able to actually provide these doctors with tangible information going, look, you know, 40% of, of the patients that you're seeing with IBS are probably suffering from this is so powerful rather than them trying to figure out and seeing that it's a common trait. But just being able to use um, analytics, I think, um, like you said, you know, to, to understand conditions better for preventatives, to to be able to help diagnose, to help specialists provide better, you know, better care, you know, I think there's there's so much that this um, industry's got to offer. So no, it is definitely really, really exciting. Do you think um, you're going to stay within the healthcare sector for most part of your career, Raph? Is it something you, that you've really enjoyed? I do. I do. I'm hopeful yeah. that I am. I do. Um, it's something that I'm definitely passionate about. And, you know, you work with some incredible people who really care about the product that you produce. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I'm passionate about it. I don't see myself. I don't see myself moving industries anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there'll definitely be lots of great opportunities for for people like you. So, Raph, um, look, I'm curious for the listeners. Obviously, um, you know, you're you're relatively young. This is probably your first kind of leadership role with um, an organization. And you know, I think most people will be sort of wondering, um, or maybe may even be a little bit nervous about um, you know taking on a role like this. So. What what would your advice be, and and what what was it that sort of got you to this position? I suppose in 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 you know in such a short space of time. Yeah, absolutely. I guess uh, yeah, I am quite young, but I've always been very passionate about the work that I do. Um, it is in a small, small startups, uh, which I've been very fortunate to work in. Passion goes a long way. Yeah. Um, you know, being I guess if I reflect a bit of my my experience. Being also very bold and uh, not intimidated by new technology has uh, been very uh, has worked wonders in terms of getting me to a place where I feel comfortable with my technical skill set. Mm-hmm. No, kind of sucking, trying to suck up all the learning you can wherever you're working, learning from uh, uh, the opportunities at work, but also other people that you work with has been been amazing. Have you had to do a lot of self? Um, self-teaching as well, Raf, given that you've not necessarily had the luxury of having, you know, mentors and people with backgrounds in data around you. Have you had to do that? How have you self-taught yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I guess the self, the self, yeah, self-learning in, term, uh, in the tech, technical space uh, has been very, very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot of online resources that you can call on and, uh, rely on and you know going to conferences going to talks 
uh, watching those talk, record, talk, recording and podcasts like yours yeah. uh, has been always been great to learn more about this industry and learn more about both uh, the technical and non-technical areas of the, this, this business. Yeah. So yeah, the learning has been definitely key. Uh, yeah. Like self, that self-driven learning has been key to um, doing that. And you know, uh, the great thing about startups is that you, you know, uh, you're often given more responsibility uh, than your than you should probably <laughs> probably have at your level of career. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been very lucky in that regards as well. Um, you know, both at Hot Doc, both at you know, Culture Amp, and yeah. uh, here at Mindset. Those have been great experience, great experiences to giving me that level of exposure to starting an analytics function. Yeah, um, yeah, something that something that I, I have always valued. In terms of uh, in terms of um, people who are kind of exploring that area, mm-hmm. you know, I've always uh, the one ref- one advice that I've always I've always kind of taken to heart is that it's uh, it's all it's always about the shape of the organization as well as your as your potential role mm-hmm. you know something that people uh, you know something that I've banged my head across is like being in an organization that doesn't have the right shape for me you know yeah. so being open to being open you know rock client uh, being um, being open to your career like changing that mentality of your career being uh, a ladder and more like rock climbing you know mm-hmm. Looking for the next boulder instead of just looking for the next step. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So uh, advice I, I definitely would be around you know, soak up knowledge. Try to be try to learn as much as you can, but yeah. also being flexible in terms of what shape your specific role is in your this, your organization. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Awesome. Well, look, thank you so much, Raf. It's been really nice to um, hear your experience and to share a bit more about mindset and your career journey as well. So, look, thank you so much. If there's anyone that obviously wants to reach out to you um, through the network, you're obviously happy for them to connect with you on LinkedIn. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much for um, being a guest on the show. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Now.